Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Yo. Dance, kiwi, dance, 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 kiwi, kiwi, dance, or just sit there and do do anything, do anything. Just kiwi. look at us, like what's wrong with you guys? Give us a woof, give us a woof if you like red. Speak, speak. No, no, we didn't teach her speak yet. Hey everyone, <laughs> how's it going? You're listening to the Command Zone. We were trying to get my dog to talk. It didn't work. I'm Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. Um, kiwi is uh, always next to us whenever we record. Usually she's sitting or sleeping in the bed close by she looks as if she's trying to understand everything she probably does <laughs> in fact she's probably like guys give me a deck give i will kick de- your butts now <laughs> oh my gosh i need to figure out what kiwi's colors are maybe she's up clearly know. white and something yeah she's... white maybe she's bant i don't know she is very controlling she does oh yeah force me to do stuff she's a corgi she's gonna boss everybody around yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right um, we have a great episode today. We are finally covering our final top 10 uh, list. It is top 10 blue cards. Blue! The, the hardest one to put together You're by my far. boy, Blue! You're my boy. <laughs> Little Blue coming through. Um, blue Christmas. Yeah, this was uh, a tough one. I, we thought it would be, and turns out it was. I had yep. a couple different lists, and either one of them I was like, like I could make two separate top 10s. Yeah, I agree. I actually have had two separate top threes top fives like all, every part of it i could have been like well there's a an honorable mention that could have gone number three any instead. one of those could have gone up to the top 10 yeah for sure yeah uh so that's gonna be interesting but we have a lot of to do in our upkeep that's step right. here today yeah we have upkeep. <laughs> we have a very exciting announcement if you have not heard Woo. jimmy was selected to the community cup team uh Hooray. by wizards of the coast this year yeah. So, very exciting. I mean, do you want to explain what the Community Cup is for those who don't know? The Community Cup is a yearly event that Wizards of the Coast holds where they bring in representatives of the community to come in and play against a Wizards team. Uh, it's 8v8. Um, usually in years past, they've uh, put up like a nominate who you want to be in the Community Cup, and you could go into the website, send some people in, and there'd be a little campaigning going around everyone on Twitter. Uh, this year, Wizards decided to just choose the eight members of the Community Cups themselves. Um, you guys will notice, unfortunately, Josh Lee Kwai was not on the list. Yeah, that's a little bit of a bummer, but I'm bummer. happy that the command zone is going to be represented. Yeah, I've been talking about bringing a cardboard cutout of you <laughs> to Wizards of the Coast and then like taking pictures of it at all the different parts. So. I'll be like the uh, lawn gnome. Yeah. <laughs> 
boy. Yeah. I don't know if that's better or worse than actually getting invited. Uh, it's probably worse. <laughs> uh, it's Yeah, I'm sorry, Josh. Uh, I wish you could be there with me. I, I will be representing the Command Zone specifically. Um, I think Adam Cyborski is also on the team. He writes a lot of Commander articles, mm-hmm. too. But outside of that, there's no... Uh, EDH uh, casual love, so we have to... There's often that. not anybody from the EDH commander community represented at all. Yeah. Or n- definitely not usually somebody who's sort of purely in that realm like like you are. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty exciting for us in our community just to have a representative there. It's great for the show. Um, do you yeah. want to talk about some of the other people that are there? There's a lot yeah. of our friends are there. Yeah. Two guests on the show already. MTA cast, uh, Megan and Maria are both going, uh, as is Wedge from the Manasaurus. And usually they focus on, it seems like they focus a lot more on the Twitch streamers. And mm-hmm. it's great because Wedge is definitely a YouTuber. Uh, yeah, that's so pretty great. It looks like Wizards is actively trying to really expand the horizons of the community cup. And the reach hopefully will get bigger as well. Kenji Egashira, Numa the Nummy, and SG Doc, who are both streamers, are going to be there. Both friends of ours. Uh, the guy that just won the Pro Tour, Joel. Yoel Larson, or I guess it's Yoel Larson. Yoel, yeah, I think it is Yoel. Yeah, uh, with a I hear he's pretty good at uh, at Magic. Yeah, I mean, I think he's also, like, challenging Brian Kibler for best-looking player. He's best hair. Best hair by far, He wins best hair. It is finely quaffed. Um, Yeah, so I'm really excited. It's going to happen in September uh, the 17th or the 18th or the 20th. Um, so you guys can tune in, and I'm sure we'll mention it. Do you follow time. it on Twitch? Is that how it works? Yeah, it's going to be on the Magic Twitch channel, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and also, the very exciting uh, Loading Ready Run is going to rep- produce the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So they're organizing the stream and everything, and those guys know what they're doing. You better start brushing up, because I know they do like a... They do like a... Um, oh, yeah. They do all sorts A flavor of draft, do. and they do... All kinds of crazy stuff. I would watch the Community Cup from years past. I know you've seen some of it, yeah. just because, you know, you do not want Watsi to beat you. Yeah, and I think the Watsi is like 2-6 and six total in the Community Cup, so we can definitely we definitely cannot let them beat us. Yeah, because now there's even more pressure, because yeah. you're just going to catch hell from all the other teams that have come before <laughs> if you yeah. guys lose. So Yeah, exactly. So we'll do our best. I'll uh, make sure to brush up. I'll just play more Modo, uh, which is kind of a punishment, I guess. Yeah, really punishing, <laughs> really punishing. So make sure you do tune into that um, to support Jimmy and support the community. It's going to be really exciting. It's support great for the, the show. Podcast. Yeah, it's yes. really good for the show. Just gets exposure for us. So, yep, I'm bummed I can't go, but, man, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be rooting for you. Yeah, and if they do uh, bring up the community vote again next year, we'll make sure that we destroy the community vote and get you in there instead of me. <laughs> so. We'll see. You know, I was bummed when I didn't get chosen, but then hearing on Twitter, there was a lot. Like, Efro didn't get chosen. Like, Gabby Sparks didn't get yeah. chosen. Like, there was a lot of people that were – frankly more deserving than me to go that didn't get chosen so you know i'm just happy one of us gets to go and and represent the show yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun um there's so much stuff happening for magic in the next few months from the world's championship and packs to all the battle for zendikar stuff it's gonna be really exciting coming up good super exciting i've got a big thank you to throw out there i asked for some book recommendations a couple episodes ago and holy crap (laughs) <laughs> I got so many. I, I seriously have a list. It's got to be close to 100 books. 100? Yeah, it's insane. Holy crap. I think we got more book recommendations than we usually do get like contest entries <laughs> where we're giving stuff to people. Like That's how awesome. Our, our listeners are awesome. It's It's yeah, been really great. great. I'm really excited. I'm unfortunately not going to be able to read that many books in the three weeks, but I'm going to have like books to spare for like a couple of years. The, so many that the police are coming after me. Those are the book police. <laughs> like, woo, woo, hey, Josh, stop reading so much. <laughs> stop wanting to read 100 books. <laughs> I don't know. I made robot 
uh, gestures when I did that. It's because you're a robot. They're like, he's getting too smart. <laughs> we have to unplug him. Send the uh, cops. Oh, no. They're on to me. <laughs> um, also, I got a really nice letter from a listener, Russell Lee, who is at Rogue Artificer on Twitter, who was basically... <laughs> He basically he could not believe. Yeah, he deck doctored for me. He could not believe that I did not have a basilisk collar in my Tim deck. Uh, basilisk collar is a artifact that gives death touch to a creature, and he, because I had mentioned previously that I just didn't own one, and that's mm-hmm. why it wasn't in there. And he just thought that was a travesty, so he decided to send me one for the deck. So wow, Russell, you're new, my new favorite listener. Yeah, man, way to go. You're Josh's number one guy. You and Dan Locke, because Dan sent me all those sweet uh, tokens, oh, those tokens. Yeah, for yeah, the yeah. Titania deck. So I'm still waiting for a busload of Kiki Jikis to. Oh, busload! <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Every listener, if you ever crack one, it's coming to me. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, it's really awesome. Basilisk collar is an incredible equipment, so it it fits perfectly into that people deck. are surprised how spendy it is i mean russell that's not a it's not a cheap card it's like eight bucks or something yeah so. well it's because it's, it costs one to put down and two to equip yeah it's just so very it's so efficient good. yeah definitely oh another exciting thing that we totally forgot to talk about in yes. our quote-unquote keeping it current episode <laughs> <laughs> we were like oh why didn't we talk about that it's uh from the vault angels yeah and our Yay! good friend gavin verhead uh works on these as well um yes it's it's the new from the vault if you guys don't know what they are it's a collection of premium foils that wizards releases i think they do one a year mm-hmm. uh they've done from the vault relics from the vault um annihilation dragons, dragons yeah so they, they're always flavored to one thing, and this year it's Angels, and it's super exciting because EDH uses a lot of these cards. Um, very, very cool. There are, I think, 15 total, Yep. and some very big reprints, and also some non-prints. Uh, we thought we all thought Lynn Vala was going to be in the set. Yeah, I thought she was a shoe-in after Iona got printed in Modern, Modern Masters, Masters 2015, yeah. I, but it turns out they printed Iona again. Um, Gavin, love you. I don't know why Wizard wants so many Ionas in the world, <laughs> because nobody likes that card. But if you, in, unless you are some of the people that do like Iona, well, now you, <laughs> she's just easier to get. Yeah, um, but there are a lot of great creatures in here, especially for EDH players. For one, Terriel Reckoner of Souls, who was yeah. originally a uh, an EDH uh, pre-con commander, has had its first foil printing now. Uh, and and Terriel is pretty sweet. Yeah, it's also the only uh, card in the whole set of From the Vault Angels that has the color black in it. <laughs> oh, that's true. Well, that makes sense because black's not super. I mean, Kalia, I guess, would Kalia, be the other one yeah. that you could. Yeah, but she's not an angel. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Tariel, let me just read Tariel, is four and Mardu, so seven total for a 4 7 flying vigilant angel. Of course, you can tap her and choose a creature card at random from target opponent's graveyard. Put that card onto the battlefield under your control. Sweet. That's, That's it. Cool. It yeah. just stays. You don't have to sack it or anything later. Yeah. You just get it. She does cost seven to put out, which is a bit of a bummer, but it's EDH, whatever. Get it out in turn four, I bet. Yeah, that is a pretty sweet card, I got to say. In fact, all of these angels pretty much have giant casting costs. Uh, we also have the one and only Avacyn Angel of Hope. Uh, I'm the most excited about that one. In yeah, the for sure. Yeah. That card was very expensive to begin with, and uh, this will not, it's not going to drastically reduce the price, but buying a From the Vault Angels is like one of the better deals you can do when buying uh, magic stuff because you know every card that's going to be in there. There's no randomness. Yep. And a lot of these cards have a lot of value. Like, yeah. 
And Avacyn is just one of those cards that was spendy, but you want her in a lot of decks. Yeah. So it just more of them in the world is just good for all of a, all commander players. Yeah. So overall, I think there's like six or seven uh, legendary angels in here, and I could see myself building a deck just by getting one of these and being like, "Cool, I've never built a Boros deck. Aurelia the War Leader looks pretty sweet for that, and now I have this awesome foil version of her." For sure. I think it might be worth it just for a value. Like you get Avacyn, you get Platinum Angel, you get. Yeah. Uh, a few others. Aurelia is a really good one. That Treat are just... the Angels is also a card that's yep. played in Legacy, right? Yeah, so you have a number of cards that can go in different decks that I think value-wise, if you can find it for MSRP, it's not it's not bad. Yeah, so uh, we encourage you guys to go check out your local gaming store, see what they'll sell to you for at. Some gaming stores are just awesome and just will sell at MSRP. There was a ton of from the Vault Annihilation printed. Yep. You could get all of those cards at MSRP. So hopefully you can also find this uh, set uh, at your local gaming store um yeah for a good price all right we have one other thing we wanted to do random giveaway giveaway so we're gonna give away a prize which is gonna be what are we gonna do um a draft set of magic origins yeah let's do that draft set of magic Origins. so three packs of magic origins we've decided we're going to give it to a random twitter follower who has interacted with us in the last like week or so you want to you make the announcement? Yeah. The person is Joseph Bennett at Tasuki87. Joseph uh, tweeted Congratulations. at us. Congratulations. Congrats. Uh, if you hear your name, send us an email, commandcast at rocketjump.com with your address, and we'll send your stuff out. We just got everything else out for the other Draft Packs winners as well as our Deck Doctor uh, winners, so you guys should be expecting those in your real-life inbox soon. So, yeah, Joseph, congrats. Uh, he tweeted us. He found us through MTG Cast. Oh, cool. Yeah, we are on MTG Cast now, in case you haven't noticed. What we've been doing is refurbishing a few of our older episodes and putting them up there, um, taking out the stuff that's not timely anymore yeah. and just to just sort of get some more exposure. So Yeah, definitely. Joseph, cool, congratulations. Cool. Congrats, Make sure to email buddy. us so you can get your packs. Yeah. All right, now time for the main topic. All right, top 10 blue cards. So Josh and I, it's the same setup each time. We both make an independent list of each other of what we think the top 10 blue cards in EDH are for the format. Uh, It's repetitive. Uh, The main stipulation is that they are going to be under $25 because some cards are extremely expensive. We don't want this to be a restrictive list being like, if you want to play the best card in blue in EDH, you it's should It's $150. Yeah. So um, Force of Will can't go on there. Yeah, I kind of broke my own rule here because I did put a certain spell on here that is a little more expensive, but we'll talk about it when we get there. We just usually try to limit the, the cost so that we're not just dropping, you know, Jace the Mind Sculpture. It's mostly to keep the, the 50 plus dollar cards off there. Like, yeah, because I have a couple cards that are right on that line. I think they are under 25, but they might be 26, 27 yeah. sometimes. And one so, thing we should say about blue is that it is considered historically to be the most powerful color in Magic. I mean, it is the most powerful color in the yeah, history of Magic. It's, to... Lately, they've been really helping to balance it out more. So mm-hmm. if, if, if you go through the last five or six years, it's not. But if you take the entirety of Magic, it definitely is, without yeah. question. Yeah, Ancestral Vision is just straight up the best. Recall, Recall yeah. Ancestral Vision is the... Uh, the the, the fair version the, the that's fair, still banned? Yeah, the fair version that's still banned. Yeah, that shows you how powerful Blue is. And, and then they made the even more fair version, Treasure Cruise, and that got banned. <laughs> <laughs> Wizards doesn't seem to learn their lesson when it comes to drawing three cards in Blue for one mana. It's just that's how powerful the effect is. They keep trying to, to nerf it, and then it just still keeps being too powerful. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so there's lots of really great cards in Blue, and and that also makes the price tag just increase on a median just slightly higher than the rest of the other colors because of that. 
Um, okay, let's talk really quickly. We've gone through this in all the other episodes, so I'm not going to go in-depth about what our criteria uh, sort of is for creating the list. So we think about mana cost, total mana cost. If it's super high, it's just going to be hard for it to be you know, very high on the list, yeah. unless it's incredibly powerful. Um, how useful is the card in a multitude of decks and color combinations? So does it cover areas that other colors don't, or is it only good in, if it's in mono blue? Mm-hmm. Uh, quadrant theory, which is how does the card do in the developing stages of the game, uh, when you're ahead in the game, when you're behind in the game, and when the game is at parity. Uh, and then does the card either combat or enable strategies which are prevalent in the format? So does it work really good against token decks, Voltron decks? Is it a board wipe? Is it mana ramp or card draw? Those are just things that are universal to the format. Yep. Uh, the very last thing we should say is we did disallow one card because similar to Soul Ring and Demonic Tutor, we figured it would be just the consensus number one. Yeah. Now I'm going to let you all really quick guess what that card could be. It's okay, Cyclonic Rift. Cyclonic Rift. Yeah. So we were pretty sure both of us would have that as our number one, and it's not fun if there's no suspense. Yeah, and it. some of you may disagree. You're wrong. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cyclonic Rift is it's one in the blue for an instant. You can bounce a non-land permanent to its owner's hand, but it has overload on it for seven mana. You can bounce every non-land permanent you don't own to its owner's hand. Don't so control. You, don't control, yeah. So she's like, boom, everything's gone all at once. I just think it's... It's like it's similar to um, our top, our number one black card, which is it's like it's the number one blue card I search out usually if I'm yep. if I'm going to tutor for it with a mystical tutor or whatever. It's, it's incredibly powerful. It's a one sided board wipe. It gets around all the problematic things like indestructible, yeah. shroud hexproof. It also does all non land permits, not just creatures. Yep, the cards broken. Yeah, it's insane. Uh, there's also a counter spell that we're just not going to include on the list because we do have counter spells on here. And yes, the, count- the original counter spell is very powerful, obviously. I don't even think it's the best counterspell anymore, though. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. But it's yeah. worth mentioning because it's a classic. Yeah, it is a classic. I do like the classics. Yeah, I just want to get make sure we get all these little uh, corner cases out of the way before people yell at us in the comments. We're still going to get yelled at. Yep. Got to okay. accept it. All right. Let's so uh, do you want to start? Uh, sure. My top 10 blue cards. All right. My number 10, we're going to go uh, back and forth and talk about each of the cards separately, uh, unless they repeat. Sometimes we steal each other's I didn't even thunders. think of this card, and it is very, very good. And I've seen you do some crazy stuff with yeah, it. it yeah, may, it may actually drop down further on the list the more I think about it. Uh, it is Dream Halls. Until it just wrecks your face. It's three and two blue for an enchantment. Instead of paying the casting cost for a spell of any color, its caster may choose and discard a card that shares at least one color with that spell. If the spell has X in its casting cost, X is zero. So this is a world enchantment. Any player can do it. Uh, it basically turns every card into a Force of Will-esque ability where you can dis- where you can discard a card that shares a color with it to play it for free. So instance, you can discard another card that is blue and just get it out of your hand. Uh, it is very very powerful just uh one thing before we get yelled at again it's not an enchant world when he says world enchantment he just meant that it affects the entire table right correct this card i've seen you do things like because a lot of times in a game you see this moment where one player has like 30 cards in their hand yeah which is really scary but at the same time it's a little bit held in check by the fact that they only have a certain amount of mana and they're gonna have to discard their yeah. hand. If the first card they play with when they have their thirty cards is Dream Halls, it's like, oh crap. Yeah. Because then they go discard this, play this, discard this, play this, discard this, play this, and it's just like, oh man. I mean, it's insane. Yeah, this is just for me, it's just such an absurdly powerful card because the cards aren't exiled when you need to cast the cards. You discard them. So you're still putting them into a place where you have access to them. For something like Force of Will, you have to exile a card from your hand right. or misdirection. Um so I like Dream Halls because of that. Which by the way, 
misdirection and enforce of will are awesome cards. So any yeah. card that's hearkening to that, even if it is exactly <laughs> that, is very good. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's great because you can just put out a ten drop for a one drop, if that makes sense. You know, for nothing. For I mean, nothing. Yeah. Creator, yeah. Yeah. Well, you're exchanging a one drop yeah. for it. Yeah. So you're putting out a creator of behemoth and tossing a wood elves. I mean, it's card disadvantage technically, but you're you're in blue. You don't care as much about it because you have consecrated sphinx right. or something that's just drawing you 50 cards and, and if a card said discard a card from your hand pay uh gain x mana where x is the next card you cast of that color type like you would play it immediately yeah. and that's kind of what dream halls is um now of course this card isn't good if other people have giant hands uh but usually this is the kind of thing that you play and close out the game with yep for that's sure what you're aiming to do it's very good. I did not think of it. It might have made my top 10 list. Uh, my number 10 is Propaganda. Propaganda. So this we've talked about this card list, a million times. It's two and a blue for an enchantment. It just says... Uh, Creatures can't attack you. Unless their Control. controller plays two mana for each creature attacking you. So this card, when I was thinking about it, I was like, what are the blue cards I have in every one of my decks that have blue? <laughs> and is propaganda it. is one of them uh i think yeah. i probably have one deck with blue that doesn't have it but in general the opportunity cost of it is just so low and its impact is so large yeah it pretty much guarantees you safe passage for the majority of the game usually it means you're not going to die early almost always yeah there's no incentive for someone to attack you because they don't want to waste their mana it's just a really great way to put up the the shields without actually having to put a creature in the way of something it makes the price of attacking you even if they pay the mana very high because they sort of have to give up their turns to do it yeah exactly so they may they may come after you and they may do it but they're leaving themselves so vulnerable to the other players at the table that it makes it very hard for them to attack you and then if they don't then you're fine you're just sitting there they're playing other cards attacking other people and what does attacking other people do it gets them going at each other so then you're even more protected because you know if alex attacks craig because i have propaganda Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden craig's like hey and he attacks alex back how good is that? You're just like, sweet. Yeah, it's great. It, it It's super good politically. I should have put up my list for that aspect alone, that the politics of this card make it with the hidden politics. You don't need to say anything with propaganda. Right. Someone swings at you and they're like, are you going to pay two for each creature? They'll, they won't be like, oh, how rude. They'll be yeah. like, oh, okay, I'll just swing at someone else. Yep. <laughs> like you've deflected them without having to say or do anything to affect their like opinion of you. <laughs> um. My number nine is Ixadron. This was played against me many times last night. Oh, man. Vinny just kept playing Ixadron. And it kept doing work. Yeah, it does uh, crazy stuff. It's three and two blue uh, for a star-star creature illusion. As Ixadron enters the battlefield, turn all other non-token creatures face down. So it's a board wipe in a weird way. It turns everything into a morphed 2-2. It sort of humilities everything yeah. in a way. But you can't unmorph it. You can't get Unless it's of... a morph card. Unless it's a morph card, It's yeah. not like Manifest, right? Where a manifested card, you can... Flip up for its mana cost. Right. Ixadron doesn't do that. It just turns everything into two twos, uh, colorless two twos. And his power. Even and your tough- commander. Yep. And his power and toughness are each equal to the number of face down creatures on the battlefield. So usually you play this, it's like a 30 30. And the thing that the reason I like this a lot is because one, it turns off everyone's utility creatures. Um, and it, even though it doesn't target token creatures, it doesn't matter because the tokens are still 1-1s. One and yep. like their guy that gives them overwhelm effects or whatever is now just a random 2-2. But the nice thing is that you can actually... Attacking and defending is way different because now everyone has even trades with everyone else. So it's no longer I swing at you with a 10-10. You're like, oh, crap, what am I going to do? It's like I swing at you with five 2-2s. You also have five 2-2s. You can block. You should know what all the creatures are because when they flipped... It's, you knew what they were. It's open information yep. to everyone, yeah. So it's really And you have to know what the commander is because it's going to do commander damage. Yeah. So a lot right. of times they swing and you don't block their commander because you don't want to kill it and then let them put it back in the command zone. Yeah. Yeah. It, this card 
it it changes the game in a really crazy way. Yeah, and I like that it it puts your commander upside down because usually your commander you want to have access to it, so you want to have like be able to sack it and bring it back to your command zone. This just puts it in a place where you can't really interact with it in any meaningful way because your creatures that could maybe have done something to it are also upside down. Yep, uh, super powerful effect. Uh, I really like this card, but I don't have it on my list. I know I don't have your next one on my. Our list lists are pretty different this time around. Up until the top four. Yeah. Um, okay, my number nine is Rite of Replication. It's two and two blue for a sorcery. It says put a token onto the battlefield that's a copy of target creature, but it has kicker five. So if you play five extra mana, making it nine total, if it was kicked, you put five of those tokens onto the battlefield instead. So you make five copies of something. You almost never play this unless you're kicking it. Yeah. And uh, this is the one of those cards that, you know, we all know I love cards where it's like, boom, play it, win. And this, this is just, is... yeah, this is one of those those ones where you play it, make five of something, you make you get five enter the battlefield triggers, or you get yeah. you know some other effect when you do it, or you have haste out, and you just it could be anyone's creature as well, not yep. just your own, which is nice. Yeah, it's it's very very powerful. It's a win condition in a lot of blue decks. Yeah, it's it's a house. What's your, do you have any favorite interactions where you played this and did something crazy? You well, v- Vinny played once, and what what's the uh, what's the dragon that it makes another huge dragon when Udvara it Hellkite? Yeah, and so he <laughs> made six of those attacked. And made six more. Six four or six six sixes, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, because he had haste. Yeah. So it was just like all of a sudden he went from one of those to like thirty of them or something. Wow. Insanity, you know. And I was like, right, replication, man, that's what it does. Yeah. I, I lose, by the way. Yeah, I lose. <laughs> I cannot stop. Like all like I will tap and do one damage to one with Tim. <laughs> yeah. He's uh, like, I swing at you for a billion. It's one of those cards where they play it, you sort of throw your hands up, you're like, Yeah, you got me, man. That yeah. that card is just a house. <laughs> Um, all right, uh, my next card on the list for number eight, Numero Ato. That's not how you say eight. In, ocho, uh, the Ocho. ocho. I, I don't know why I said Ato. I took Spanish for like three years. Uh, is Ristic Study. Uh, it's two in the blue for an enchantment. Whenever an opponent plays a spell, you may draw a card unless that player plays one. Uh, oh, man, this yeah. card's so good. I have it higher. Yeah, well, I was so upset last night. You and Vinny both had Ristic Study out, and I was the on only turn one three. paying for them. <laughs> we were playing with a guy named Andy, and Vinny was just letting you draw cards. You drew like I was letting Vinny draw cards. You, well, that's you that's, probably drew like fifteen cards off of it. Oh, more than that, yeah. That's the implication. If two people have it, you're like, I'll let you draw. You let me draw. Yeah. Deal. Oh my gosh. I was just like, why? Why? Just pay the extra man. It's like I have stuff to do. It's like I don't care. They have more things to do now. They're drawing more cards. They're like you're getting them the cards that you are trying to counter. Was my <laughs> way of seeing it. It does make your counter spells way worse because you counter one of my spells, but I draw an extra card, so it doesn't actually cost me a card, but it costs you a card. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This, yeah, yeah I have this at my number five. So yeah, we'll it, talk about more in a second because it's just... So I mean, I don't know what else there is to good. say. It's just one it of is. the best card draw spells. Yeah, Ugh. and it just does work throughout the entire game because so often you're tapping out or you need to hold that extra mana because you do have stuff that you want to do. I mean, if you get it out on turn three or four, you're basically time-walking them if they don't... Like, they can't play their best thing. Yeah. And a lot of times people are like, whatever, it's one card. And then, whatever, it's one card. And then, before you know it, like you said, you drop 15, 20 cards off it. Yeah. Yeah, you have to make sure that you ask them each time so that can get a little unnerving. Like, oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. He's drawn three cards already this turn. I can't. I still want to play my spells. (laughs) All right. My number eight. I wanted to put it higher on the list, but I couldn't justify it. It's not even on my list. That that hurts my feelings. I know it does. It's my favorite card. It's Fate Stitcher. Fate Stitcher. I don't even think I need to really talk much about it because I've talked about it so many times. And I'll cosplay as Fate Stitcher someday. It'll be the grossest cosplay ever. 
I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I don't think I want to. Let's do ask it. Uh, Christine, Christine Sprankle to yeah. do it. Yeah, she'd be a better looking Fate Stitcher than you. Sorry, that is true. Um, Fate Stitcher is three and a blue for a whatever. You tap him, and he either taps or untaps a, a target creature. That's it. That's no, all permanent, that matters. Permanent. Oh, target permanent. Yeah, Sorry. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, permanent. And you can uh, unearth it for one blue. You can just cast it from your graveyard. It gets haste. Uh, and you can just do it for one more turn, and then you exile it. Right. Really, he's just a guy out there with extreme versatility. He can un- untap your land. He can untap your Gilded Lotus. He yeah. can tap somebody else's creature or their Gilded Lotus. He can just stop them from doing what they want to do, or you double up some effect you've got. He can untap your creature just to give it pseudo vigilance. or if you've got Tim, you can just ping something twice. So much interaction with all kinds of things on the board at all yeah. time. Fate Stitcher, I just love it. Every time I have it, I feel like... I got stuff under control. They got an Animar. They made it arbitrarily large. Tap it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You definitely do have things under... Especially when you have a Gilded Lotus out or a Thran Dynamo. It's like, I have six mana off that now, thanks to Fate Stature. It's like, ah! Just the ability to untap a permanent is incredibly powerful in this yeah. format. It, it's crazy how many creatures need to... Or things need to get tapped. And the fact that it's not non-land is very nice. It's one of those cards, if I get it in my opening hand, I never put it... I never par- partial parasite away. Oh, I would never pressure pair this yeah. card. Yeah, it's just because you know by the time you cast it, it's going to do all the work in the world for you. Yep. Uh, my number seven would be Bribery. Oh, this is a really good card. Three. Man, and how is this not on my blue. list? I don't know. I don't know how Face is not on my list. Again, <laughs> there's just too many good cards in yeah. blue, and too many. Of them, I have like pet favorites too that I just love that made my list. That's um, why we make separate lists, dude. Yep. Yeah, it's nice. You guys get like a top twenty instead of a top ten. Uh, bribery is uh, three blue blue for a sorcery. Search target opponent's library for a creature card and put that card onto the battlefield under your control. Then that player shuffles their library. Uh, I just like this because we play in a group that almost always there's actually I'd say there's always a good target for this. Oh yeah. Um, even if it's like, what if I briberied for a fate stitcher out of your deck? Would you be unhappy? Yeah, I'd be really unhappy because yeah. I love that card. Yeah, exactly. But normally, well, my decks are always bad to bribery because i don't have a lot of like awesome True. creatures but you can always just consecrated sphinx that's pretty good yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but i mean the dream is blight steel or ulamog or blight something steel, like that. Ulamog, but even the dream is is consecrated sphinx yeah like yeah it, for five mana you get to have a great card and it's you don't get to find that out of your own library it's great that you get to search someone else's because it could be in a color that you need something from you know you're playing against a carador deck that deck has so many insane creatures you get iona out Yep. You get cards that you would never in your dreams cast because the, the, it's just, you don't own it. <laughs> or it's just, it yeah, just like you said, it's, not, it's outside your colors. Outside your colors, yeah. Yeah, so you can create a synergy that should never exist. In, like going and getting Avacyn yeah. in certain decks is super powerful because they can't duplicate that effect. Uh, and so it breaks the balance of like sort of the color wheel. Also, it is um, cheating mana cost. Mm-hmm. Because you can pay in a big way, yeah. Because you can pay what it's five, five mana, mana right? yeah. You can pay five mana, and you can get a ten mana creature or something like that's cheating mana cost. What do we always say? Cheating mana cost some of the most powerful thing you can do. So yeah, uh, and yeah. there's nothing better than killing Craig with his own infect creature, <laughs> right? Am I right? <laughs> Everything that kills Craig gets a bump on Jimmy's list. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, my number seven is time stretch. Interesting, because I don't really like extra turn effects personally, but as far as just pure power level, it's eight and two blue for a sorcery. It says, target player takes two extra turns after this one. That's pretty intense. Target player almost always means you. <laughs> I've never seen anybody play a time stretch on somebody else, although I guess you could. Well, you could if it was like 
they're going to mill themselves out or something. Yeah, I don't got know. Two cards left. Uh, uh, but then you give them two whole turns. I'd rather just say draw two cards somehow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe if you're doing secret partners, you could potentially do this. Yeah. Once the partners are revealed or whatever. I mean, this is an all star in the Jaleva, the Narset, the Joyra decks. Those decks oh, that are yeah. just going to cheat these out really early. These are, you know. Yeah, you're not really paying this for ten mana if you can help it. You're usually recurring it, taking all the turns. Again, not something I generally like to do myself, but I do recognize it's super powerful, and I've seen people do it and uh, and win. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, this is just an extremely powerful effect. Two turns. I mean, one turn is a lot. Two? Two's insane. Yeah. Um, usually, one turn effects I'm not a huge fan of because it doesn't. It, it's almost more annoying than game-breaking. Because sometimes, like, I take an extra turn, I untap, I play one more thing and pass. Right, like, exactly. Wow, Unless you can recur it or continuously do it, yeah. which this does by itself. Yeah, exactly. It's like, was that really worth it? Um, it's like Rouseric. It's like, you want to always, oh gosh, could you imagine comboing this with something like Rouseric and getting a Planeswalker to ultimate? Just boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's the nice yeah. thing about this is that you are able, those extra turns, if you find the best ways to utilize them, then that's where you're really, like, playing a Memnarch deck that already has a lot of mana ramp. Oh, taking an extra everything. turn and you can steal even more stuff like that's why people are afraid of you and tapping this because you can use your mana for deadly stuff so yeah i like time stretch a lot i'm actually not going to mention my number six because this is the first time that my number anything like above number five was someone else's number one. Oh yeah this is interesting yeah my number one is really low on maybe i'll list. uh i'm gonna throw an honorable mention here um although we didn't uh, in our artifact one both our number ones weren't even on the other people's list yeah so. that's really funny <laughs> um I'm just going to throw in a, a honorable mention here instead of my normal number six. Uh, so if you're watching the video, it's going to be a little confusing. But it's Capsize. Capsize uh, yeah. is, is on my honorable mention, yeah. too. It's got buyback. Uh, buyback for three means you may pay an additional three colorless mana as you cast a spell. If you do, put this card into your hand as it resolves. So you get to have it for free. It's one blue-blue return target permanent to its owner's hand. So for six mana total for four blue-blue, you can endlessly return anything to its owner's hand at instant speed for the rest of the game. It's it's so powerful. Yeah, unless someone counters it or gets it out of your hand. Um, yeah. Because pinpoint removal is not something that you like to have in your deck because it is card disadvantage. Yeah. But you need it all the time. All the time you're like, man, I need to take care of that one thing. Yep. But capsize is not card disadvantage because you keep the card. Yeah, exactly. And if you do need to just use it for its effect, it's still a good card because it's return target permanent. So you can bounce that land. You can bounce whatever you want. Yeah, it's very, very good. It was on yeah. my honorable mentions, too. You can too. bounce that Planeswalker, too, before adults. You know, yep. There's lots of stuff you can do here. Um, yep. Bounce that Animar that's arbitrarily large. Yeah. Oh, Animar. My number six is Mystical Tutor. It's one blue for an instant. It says, search your library for an instant or sorcery card and reveal that card. Shuffle your library, then put that card on top of it. So it's like Enlightened Tutor. It's like yeah. those card disadvantage tutors. Um, this was another card where I just looked and I said, well, what blue card do i have in all of my decks and i have a mystical tutor in literally every single one yeah it's just the versatility of tutors in our format so strong if you need a board wipe you can go get it if you need capsize or something or a pinpoint removal spell you can go get it if mm -hmm. you if you're at that time uh and you're about to attack with jaleva you can go put time stretch on top of your deck and attack with her and know that you're gonna get it there's That's so nice. many ways to use it um yeah just so strong yeah, blue's one of those colors where the top of your deck is kind of like the graveyard and black decks. Yes, that's you know, a really good point. Where you get to you get to use that to your advantage. Yeah, Melek wants to know what's on the top of the deck. So many Narset, right? What, you know, those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my number Cinco, number five is Frexian Metamorph. This is like the first blue card I really fell in love with when I started playing EDH. He's three colorless mana or a she, I guess, and a actually it can be anything. It it 
It's three colorless mana and a Phyrexian <laughs> mana, and you can pay a Phyrexian mana either with a blue mana or two life, so you can pay this for three and two life or three in the blue. And you can have Phyrexian Metamorph enter the battlefield as a copy of any artifact or creature on the battlefield, except it's an artifact in addition to its other types. Uh, if you have artifacts and energies, this is great. Usually this just comes out and copies a Gilded Lotus or even a Soul Ring or just the best creature on the board. Yep. Um, now, Clever Impersonator is really similar to it, but the reason I like this is that you can pay it for just colorless, so even if you're off your colors, it doesn't matter. You can still play the Phyrexian Metamorph on turn three if you have three mana no matter what. Yeah, if you just don't happen to have yeah. a blue. Yeah, whereas Clever Impersonator is two and two blue, uh, and that's a lot harder to cast. Um, but that can copy any permanent, which is nice, but I think non-land, but... Yeah, on my honorable mentions, I had Clever Impersonator, but those two cards are just, they're basically cousins. Yeah, they're very, very similar. Um, I just, I mean, this could just be me with my own personal bias, but I think Phyrexian Metamorph is just one of those auto put in any blue decks because it's the same like copy artifact, except it's better. It costs one mana more and two life, but instead of copying just an artifact, you can copy the biggest creature on the board as well. You can copy Avacyn if you want. <laughs> it's copy artifact and clone on one card. Yeah. So exactly. it's two, one. two. Yeah, exactly. What Those are just cards that we always love. So good. Yep. Um, oh, well, my number five is Ristic Study. Ristic which Study. Which we've already talked about. Just drawing cards is good. Drawing cards is good. And this is, is one of the better. It's probably the second best. PSA time. If someone has a Ristic Study out and you can afford to pay the mana... You should pay it. <laughs> He's still salty about last that night. that one colorless man that you're paying is going to save your butt so hard. Unless you got, like, some demonic pact with the person where you're like, good, yes, I will give you all the cards if you don't kill me first. Why do you? <laughs> I don't know. Demonic pact, quick You should see the face that he's making so frustrated yes. about last night. Well, I mean, just because, like, after you had a huge grip, I was like, I like the chances of me winning every time you drew a card yeah. in that deck specifically, I was like, it's going down. Tick tock, tick tock. Yeah, it's just finding pieces, finding pieces, finding pieces. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was a five color find the pieces deck. And it's yeah. like, you guys want to help him find the pieces? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our chances if he, we don't let him do that and we kill him first. Yeah, which is pretty great. Yeah, Ristic Study is so good. So I good. It even, I really it's a little want, spendy. I really wish I could play it in the in the draft format. We, play, we played a Chaos Draft in Vegas and I, I pulled it out of a pack. I was like, I wish I could play this, but I feel like it's just, it's like the 23rd card in the deck. It's, it's not as good, definitely, in, in a 1v1 format, for sure, because they can just make it so that it's useless. It's useless, yeah. yeah. It just, like, you just it, waste a card it, on nothing. And it time walks them one land, which yeah. isn't the worst thing in the world. But it is for every spell, which is nice. So if someone's just trying to play a bunch of small stuff, then you're going to just benefit off it because they can't do it. They can't pay that one extra for each card. In, in multiplayer, it balloons on you, too. So if one person plays a bunch of stuff and doesn't pay for Ristic Study, then the next person feels like they got to keep up with that last person. Yeah. Like, it's not... It's a good point. Like, they feel like, I can't not play stuff because that guy played stuff, and yeah. all of a sudden, I'm going to be really vulnerable to him. So I have to play stuff, which means I'm going to have to let that person draw cards. And then the third person's like, well, they already drew so many cards. What's it matter? You know, and it can just... It can balloon on you. It can snowball on you. Well, let's just say it does matter, friends. <laughs> it does matter. Card advantage. The more you know. The more you know. Uh, hey, our number four is the same. Look at that. So is our number three. Hey, well, we always, near the end, sort of catch up. Although... Yeah. Although... Um, Two and one are... Uh, slightly different, but they're related. So Yeah, okay. they're related. So um, our number four, you want to say at the same time? Yeah. Three, three two, two, one. one. Dead Eye Navigator. D-E-N. Uh, the one card that people call for banned more than the Prophet of Crufix, I think, is the day. I think it goes Iona, Dead Eye Navigator, Prophet of Crufix. Yeah. Yeah. So Dead Eye Navi is, I'd say, the second most... I put Prophet at number one, though. That card is too I put Iona. I just think it's not fun. At least when Prophet's doing stuff, it's not stopping everybody else from doing stuff. But yeah. It's true. Anyway... 
Dead Eyes on that here. list. Yeah, four and blue blue for a five five creature spirit with Soulbound. You may pair this creature with another end paired creature when either enters the battlefield. They remain paired for as long as you control both of them. So when this comes in, you find a friend, and as long as Dead Eye Navigator is paired with another creature, each of those creatures has one in the blue, exile this creature, then return to the battlefield under your control. So it's insta-flicker for one in the blue. As soon as it comes back into the battlefield, it pairs again with Dead Eye Navigator, or you can flicker the Dead Eye Navigator and pair it with something else. Um, and it comes back immediately. That's immediately, the thing when yeah. he says insta-flicker. Most flickers are the thing returns at end of turn. Yeah. This is it returns now, which means... You can get those enter the battlefield effects like now. It protects you from single one to one removal. Yeah, you flicker it out. It saves itself. Yeah, the big thing is like for one in the blue, you can just destroy people with enter the battlefield effects. You could just do this four times in the turn if you have eight mana and four blue. It's like if oh, you have a six slime, you just machine gun down stuff, or if you have whatever a million effects, yeah, you draw exactly. eight cards with multiple. This is in your rune deck. Yeah, uh, you know what? I took it out. Really, it's too unfun. I just it's a little too powerful, and I didn't need it. The deck's plenty powerful right, right yeah but i did have it in there and it's very very good yeah um, it, it it's just really annoying it's kind of like sensei's davening top in that you, when you have something that can protect itself for cheap or nothing that increases the power level by so much in the, in the format I, I also felt like that deck already has profit of crew fix so i didn't want both of those cards in one deck so i like profit better too bad i can't play iona in there as well <laughs> Uh, we have the same number three. Yeah. Let's read it together. Getting ready. One, two, three. Glenalendra Archmage. Archmage? Archmage. Glenalendra. Oh, my gosh. We thought that this uh, person, the, the woman on the picture, was Glenalendra, but turns out Glenalendra is a place. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Archmage is just like sort of her rank. It just happens. Like there's like, a bunch of these on that plane. Yeah. It just happens that. Well, actually, there's Glenalendra Liege, Pranksters. And then the Sentinels of Glenalendra. So, so those are all like there's multiple of those things on this plane. But as far of as I'm concerned, she's always just going to be Glenalendra to me. Like that is her name. It's not the plane. It's because Glen is a real name, and it's just like it's so tough. Wizards, why'd you do this? Glen's a real name. <laughs> they Glenn did it Close. so we can sound foolish and people can correct us, Jimmy. Yeah, clearly. Glenalendra Archmage, Archmage, uh, three in the blue for a two-two flyer. So already that's like okay, cool. You have a flyer, but oh my gosh, one blue. A sacrifice Glenalender Archmage counter target non creature spell. Uh, and, and if that wasn't bad enough, persist. So when it gets put into the graveyard, when you sacrifice it or when you chump block with it or whatever, uh, if it had no minus one, minus one counters on it, you go, it returns to play with a minus one, minus one counter on it. And you get to do it twice. Yep. If you have graft like your Marchesa Dex does, you get to do it as many times as you want. If you get in Flicker it, it comes back in, loses the one one, the negative one negative one counter, and you can use it as many times as you want. If you yeah. can recur it from your graveyard somehow, or give it a plus one plus one counter, like that's the thing about Glenalendra is you can get into these scenarios, and it's not that difficult where you can literally counter every non creature spell that anyone's going to play for the whole <sighs> so game. So insane, yeah. Cather's Crusade, if she bounces comes back oh, right. in, it, the one one counter comes on her, and it it takes off the negative one counter it's it's pretty crazy yeah the fact that it's not it's everything but creature spells seems like oh but you can't counter a creature it's like doesn't matter non-creature spells are what drive this format more than anything else like sure someone plays a bunch of stuff and unless they're dropping a crater hoof behemoth it's like they drop doubling season or whatever yep. or a planeswalker counter, counter, yep, counter. yeah those are the big ones insurrection that you insurrection yeah yeah how many of wind conditions are creature based i mean there are some but it's most of the big, flashy wind conditions are non-creatures. Yeah. Uh, and just having this out on the board will stop everyone from playing stuff because no one wants to just lose their spell needlessly. For nothing, yeah. yeah. It also protects your wind condition. So if you're about mm -hmm. to cast Time Stretch, 
you might play Glenelendra first so that when it comes around to your turn, you're pretty secure that you're going to get your time stretch through somebody else's counterspell. Yeah. Super uh, powerful, reusable counterspell, just mean. Yeah, the fact that she comes back is where it's really just so, so mean. You know what's funny is Deadeye Navigator is on that list of cards people want banned. Yeah. And Glenelendra is not. And we both have her ranked higher than Deadeye Navigator oh, on our true. list. It's interesting. It's because Glenelendra is more useful in more decks. So Deadeye Navigator is really useful in decks with a lot of flicker and enter the battlefield effects. Mm-hmm. But that's not every deck. Glenelendra, if you're playing blue... Fits in the deck. Yeah, has to be in there. Yeah. In fact, if you're not playing Glenelander in your deck, you're crazy. you crazy, man. All right, uh, my number two. Uh, turns out, Josh, it's under $25 as of this recording. Wow. Yeah. You because... got lucky by the uh, new set coming yeah, and bringing it down. Yeah, the new set coming and bringing yeah. it down. Yeah, it is Cryptic Command, everybody. The greatest blue counterspell. I believe that exists. Uh, Josh may disagree. It's uh, very good. It is very good, but it does kind of fail one of our categories, which is how useful is it in a multitude of decks and color combinations. Because this card is one blue, blue, blue. It's four mana total for a counterspell, and it has three blue it symbols in it. everything. It literally though. does everything. Yeah, let's go back over the quadrant theory. Uh, does it enable or combat a strategy which is prevalent in EDH? Well, it yes. combats all strategies. Yeah. Is it useful in a multitude of decks if you can play it? Yep. Yes. It's mana cost four. Yeah, it's all right. Quadrant <laughs> theory, if you're behind? Yep. yep. If you're ahead? Yep. Yep. If you're a parody, yep. yep. Developing's the only one where it's not great. Yeah, exactly. But you have other cards in your deck for that. So I mean, literally, look, it fights tokens, it fights Voltron, it fights board wipes, uh n- doesn't fight mana ramp. It but helps it you... does have card draw on it. Yeah. It helps you Holy win the crap. game by tapping everything out. Okay, so it has it's a it's a modal card, so you have to choose two of the abilities on it. It's an instant speed. Uh the first one is counter target spell. That's nice. The second is return target permanent to its owner's hand. It's a bounce. That's nice. Uh, the third one is tap all creatures your opponent's control or draw a card. So any combination of these two is insanely powerful. Um, there's so many games that are one just be like, I'll tap your whole board down, and then I'll swing back on the crack back. I'll that's kill the, you. That's the part that is sort of people don't talk about or don't think about. But yeah. I've seen you use that so many times to just win. Tap all, everything, all your stuff, yeah. swing and win. Or somebody thinks, oh, I've got you. I've got enough tokens. And you go, hold on. Before combat, tap all your stuff, draw a card. And then that's all the time you need to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's crazy. The We have that legendary story where I threatened everyone with a cryptic command. Yep. And I literally played it probably four or five times because everyone was like, I could swing at you. But I was like, I have cryptic command. I'll tap down your whole board and you'll die the next turn for someone else swinging at you. You'd be like, I won't swing at you. I passed turn. <laughs> I gas cryptic command for free. <laughs> yeah. I virtually <laughs> tapped all your stuff because you did not. Get- yeah. I was like, sweet. And then on my turn, I can just tap it all down and swing and kill you or whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Matt was f- so frustrated when that was happening because he's like the gamer that, that saw it happening. I was like, you, you guys are. It was like me and Mystic Study. It's like he saw it happening and that no one was doing anything about it. This is a PSA from Matt Arnold. Yeah. If somebody does that to you, you have to make them use the you cryptic command. Otherwise, it, yeah. they just are using it every turn. Yeah. Well, the other thing is like, no one wants to be that person that has to put them themselves in the vulnerable position yeah so. i want you to use it on him so i'm just gonna wait yeah exactly yeah. it's like i'm not doing anything like i'm just hanging out over here behind my uh my uh, propaganda <laughs> this card is really really good i probably should have had it on my list um two okay. two factors contributed to why i didn't one is i until recently i didn't even have one <laughs> i did oh i did win that foil one in our draft with doc and kenji but uh i haven't really got a chance to play with it much i mean I, i've seen you use it and i've seen people use it i yeah. know the power of the card but i haven't actually felt it so that probably contributed the other thing is just three blue 
Yeah, it's it's tough to play. Two color play, decks are much happier playing it. Um, three color decks is okay. I play a lot of five color decks. You can't even really play a card with three of the same color in a right. five color deck. It's just your chance to cast it at any. In any of your three color decks with blue though, is blue not a dominant color? Um, I feel like in general, blue is going to definitely be in the Tim deck. It is. I think in the in the Flicker deck, it probably is about equivalent to the other two. Yeah. It could like Joyra is a two color deck. It could probably go in there, which is probably where I'll oh, put yeah, it. Oh yeah, could definitely go. In yeah, there. I just didn't own one before, so it wasn't in there. But yeah, yeah. that's uh, that's a miss on that's a punt on my. A giant. It, it should be on my top ten somewhere. Probably. No, I didn't get I didn't get Fate Stitcher on here. Maybe I should have. Fate Stitcher is one of those cards, though. I think people a lot of people won't won't. Uh, I'm gonna get yelled at for not having Cryptic Command. I apologize. It's okay because I got it on there. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's okay, a great card. my number two is your number one, so I'm gonna let you go ahead and lead since it's your, your number one. Oh right, and I, uh, I saved my you, number one. I'm a number one guy, or in this case, Sphinx. You're my number one Sphinx consecrated Sphinx. You my bay. You my best. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I don't even know what that stands for. Before anyone else, there you go. Yeah, uh, consecrated Sphinx, guys. Hooray, we did it. This card is bonkers. Yeah, it's the best card ever. I don't know why it's only it's so cheap. This is another card people talk about, about as only possibly wanting to have it banned. Uh, the outcry is not as no. as much as those other cards. It's but. not as bad as like Prophet of Crucifix, I don't think, but it's still insanely powerful. It's four and blue blue for a four six flying Sphinx. Whenever an opponent draws a card, you may draw two cards. Wow, it's it's incredible. Yeah, you. It, I mean, in Craig's multiplayer cube, if you see this card, you immediately take it. It doesn't matter if you're not even playing blue. You play this card it only takes two turns to go by for you to just fully maximize off of this if someone else is just doing random card draw shenanigans oh, oh my God. gosh if someone has a temple bell you draw two for every single person that draws off of that it's insane it, and it's very very difficult for it to not at least get you a one extra card out of it right because yeah. you play it say go they draw two cards or they draw a card you draw two even if the worst happens, and at that moment they get rid of it. At least you got some cards. You're up cards. Yeah, you know that's that's it's not great, but it's fine. Nothing that bad happens. Now in the in the good case scenarios where you make it back to your turn and you drew six extra cards or eight extra cards, that's insanity. Yeah, you are so much further ahead of everyone else when that happens. Um, that's it's my number one because it's also just a four six in the air and it can block a ton of stuff and fly. You never, you almost heads. never block with it yeah, though. You don't, you don't yeah, want to risk you, it. You're very risky, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, you can attack people with yep. it. It's just a big Sphinx thing. It's awesome. It's a great card. Yeah, I, I for a long time I was like ah, number one, number two, number one, number two, number one, number two. Uh, and the only reason I went with my number one over it, which my number one is Pact of Negation. Yep, it's my number six. That was the number six that you didn't talk about. Yeah. Uh, so Pact of Negation is a zero casting cost instant. It says counter target spell. But at the beginning of your next upkeep, pay three and two blue. If you don't, you lose the game. So there's some risk. Here's the thing I like about Pact of Negation, and Force of Will would fit into this category. It's mm-hmm. just too expensive. Is it enables your win condition. Yeah. So there's all these moments where I'm going to do some big thing, and I need a sequence of things. I need to play this and then play this, and I need them both to land. But I don't have enough mana. Because you rarely have enough mana to also do two things uh-huh. and hold up enough for a counter spell. And Pact of Negation, you don't have to. And that's just so powerful to, for free, 
have this card in your hand that protects your win condition that you're about to play. Yeah, that's why Force of Will is so good and, yeah. and that much more expensive because there is no upkeep cost the next time it rolls around. Uh, but Pact of Negation is true. Like, if I had that yesterday, I could have stopped your Faith's reward from getting everything back. Yep. Because just sometimes it comes down to, like, I have one counter spell and they have another one and you're fully tapped out. It's like, well, I guess I'm done for. I mean, if Insurrection is in your hand and you know it's going to win if it resolves then having Pact of Negation is so powerful because yeah. it means that that Insurrection will probably make it through. Um, yeah, I, this card is just one of those cards when you have it in your hand, you feel like the game is in, is in your control. You ha- yeah. Nothing that bad can happen. And Except also, you lose the game if you can't tap. You know right what, really, literally, <laughs> yeah. you what? Know literally why I put it to number one over the Consecrated Sphinx? Like, I'm just trying to look for reasons. I have them both. They're in contention. It's like mm-hmm. a race, and it's like, ah, Sphinx, no, Pact, uh, Sphinx. It makes sense for... It's a counterspell. It's a counterspell, yeah. And it's blue. And it's I blue. thought, like, man, if my number one is not a counterspell, <laughs> then I haven't done justice to what blue is. True. But also, you could make that uh, argument for a card draw, because that's the other thing Correct. that blue does very well, so... Gosh, blue, such a powerful color. Oh, um, there are so many cards that couldn't make the list. We have a ton of honorable mentions. These may as well be on the top 10 list. They could be, and in any given deck, they could be better than a lot of the cards on our list. Yeah, exactly. Um, you want to talk about your top one? Sure. This is uh, uh, Memnarch is the one that I said, because you wouldn't normally think of it as a blue card, but in Commander, it is... It counts as a blue card. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's a legendary artifact creature wizard, seven mana. Um, it's a four or five. It says pay one and two blue. Target permanent becomes an artifact in addition to its other types. And then for three and a blue, gain control of target artifact. So you just start turning stuff into artifacts and stealing it. Yeah. This is an effect we didn't really have cost, in our top It by the way, tens. seven mana yeah. to do both things. So after you've cast it... And you, you know you have enough blue, mana you to do it. You should have enough to do it, yeah. Yeah. Um, this is a... Th- we didn't have a lot of um, steal other people's creatures effect. You had bribery, but yeah. in our top tens. And I was really... I felt bad that I didn't have a an effect on my top 10 list that, that was like stealing other people's stuff because mm-hmm. that's so uh, one of the big things Blue does. Memnarch is just so good at it, and there's so many ways to just steal the whole board. Yeah. Yeah. That's Especially, just, I mean, even just taking artifacts is insane. Yeah, just, hey, take your soul ring next turn, you know. Yeah. Take your whatever creature, take... You know. Well, it's like, I will turn your Avacyn into an artifact and then steal it. Yep. It, it just takes anything target permanent becomes an artifact you can turn, take their land you can take their land yeah it's crazy yeah um muddle the mixture was one of my honorable oh, mentions yeah. it's blue blue for an instant counter target instant or sorcery spell so it is a counter spell but the big one is transmute one blue blue you can discard this card search your library for a card with the same converted mana cost as this card reveal it and put it into your hand so you can just find a random two drop with it um lots of good cards to find with something like muddle the mixture it's also just a card that like um I put this into our deck doctors when you need to find a certain enchantment that was a two drop or whatever. Yep. Yep. Um, it's just nice to have that option to, to find the assault formation to or a counter something and also tutor for something specific. But usually, if your deck is built right, you will have very valid targets for it. Yeah, yeah, that's a super strong card. I have that in almost all my blue decks too. Um, here's a, a weird one, and I don't think it almost made my top ten, but I did want to mention it. Is perplexing chimera. It's four and a blue for a 3-3 enchantment creature chimera. It says, whenever an opponent casts a spell, you may exchange control of Perplexing Chimera and that spell. If you do, you may choose new targets for the spell. So spell means anything. If they cast a creature, while it's on the stack, you go, oh, I'll give you Perplexing Chimera, and then that creature's coming into play Mm -hmm. on my side. But if they cast Insurrection, oh, I'll give you Perplexing Chimera, I'll take the Insurrection. Doesn't sack outlet. Yeah. It's like, aha, It doesn't um, work super well against board wipes is sort of the big downfall because they cast Wrath of God. 
if you exchange control of it, well, you still wrath all creatures. Right. Unless it's something that's a one-sided wrath. There you case. go. Oh if they gosh. do uh, in Garrick's Wake, boom, yeah. take it. If they in do Cyclonic though, Rift, oh, right. boom, take it. Um, this card is extremely powerful. When it's on the board, it will make your opponents play in like a really strange way because they don't want to give you anything good. Yeah, they'll just sort of stop casting stuff or they cast crappy stuff and like, do you want to take that? And combined with Flicker, it is insane. It literally takes the control of the whole game if you can flicker it. Oh, that's right, because you can just start putting it in, yeah. And if You're you... like, I give you this in exchange for your spell, then I flicker it, it comes back to play under its owner's control, which is me, and then yeah. I just do it again to the next thing. I feel like being able to do it at instant speed is really good, too, so you can just be like, aha, I will, like, if they cast um, a Cyclonic Rift, I will yep. flick, flash this in and steal the spell. Yep. It's pretty insane. Um, Perplexing Chimera also, if you guys have ever seen the movie Princess Mononoke, it looks exactly like it does. the beast thing in the it beginning does. of the movie. Or at the end of the movie where it's like got these little things coming out of it. Which is an awesome movie, by the way. It's an awesome movie, yeah. That that could totally be one of our end steps. Um, another card that I really like, they're actually lands. Uh, we don't talk about lands too much because we'll have a whole land episode, but these are specifically blue lands. Uh, there's Minimo, School at Water's Edge. Oh, man, how did you say this? And I didn't say it. I feel so bad now. Yeah, you can tap it to add blue to your mana pool, and then you can also tap one blue and tap this untapped target legendary permanent. So good. Yeah, so that also includes stuff like Perforos' Hammer, you know, yep. and stuff, because it's a legendary artifact. Um, but mostly you're using this to untap your commander. If you have, like, Arcanus the uh, Omnipotent out there. I almost said Arcanus the Impotent. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's no. definitely Yeah, potent. he's Omnipotent. Yeah, he's uh, drawing lots of cards. Um, or just, like, Rune, just to use him twice, you know, flicker two things. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Minamo is awesome. Yeah. Um, there's also Academy Ruins, which you can uh, stuff oh, yeah. artifacts to the top of your deck uh, with it. And they're both specifically blue lands because they require blue in their activation cost. So, All right, the last one I'll say under my honorable mentions is Stasis. Oh, yeah. This is a mean card. I'm not necessarily saying play it. I have it on only one deck. Uh, it makes players skip their untapped step, all players, but you have to pay one blue as an upkeep. So ostensibly, you'll eventually not be able to play the blue because you're not untapping your lands because you have no untap step. Only uh, one blue. There are a million ways to keep the stasis going. It's just an incredibly powerful effect. Yeah. You know, it's one of those effects. There's not a lot of cards that do what this does. There's Brine Elemental. There's a couple others, but it's pretty unique. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of like they attack, they tap all their mana, you play stasis. They just don't really get a turn for a couple of rounds of the table if you do it right, and maybe forever. Yeah. If someone, like, packed him negations and then you play Stasis on the next turn... They're dead. <laughs> they die, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's pretty brutal. Yeah. Um, and a couple of cards we should mention that are expensive but are kind of staples of the format if you have the money to get them. Uh, Jace the Mind Sculptor. Oh, yeah. Uh, so good. We don't need to Brainstorm talk about every yeah, turn. Yeah, he also has Fate Sealing. And so he's yeah. just an incredible uh, Planeswalker. He's, like, what, 80 bucks now? Yeah, he's actually going down slowly. Uh, there's also Snapcaster Mage, which... Which is going has, the other way. It's going yeah, up. Yeah, it's going up. That has to be one of the best blue creatures of all time. If yeah, it for sure. If it didn't cost that much, uh, it would have made the list. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, like, 80 bucks also now. Yeah, exactly. It was, like, 30, like, a few months ago. And I bought a bunch, fortunately. You are a smart man. Yeah. Uh, so Snapcaster Mage, we'll just read him, just so you guys know. It's a one in the blue uh, for a Flash Wizard. Looks like... Uh, Ken, whatever name from The Hangover. Ken Jong. Yeah, but it was actually modeled after a champion winner. I don't know. It was yeah, some... it's one of the invitational cards. Invitational uh, cards, yeah. I, for, I forget who it was, but yeah. Uh, when Snapcaster Mage enters the battlefield, target instant or sorcery card in your graveyard gains flashback until end of turn, and the flashback cost is equal to its mana cost. So you can just play, again, any card in your library at instant speed. In your graveyard. In your graveyard, sorry, yeah. Uh, the, I mean, you can flash this in to get a counter spell, and you know, it's. And you can recur it, and you can do it again. Yeah. Uh, a Flicker. really good cheap alternative is the new Jace. 
That's right. Kid Jace, uh, when he flips Cheap over. It's like 30 bucks now, too, I think. Yeah. Well, it's way cheaper than Snapcaster. But true. when, you can when he flips, you can. Yeah, true. So, um, John Waters, you have a chance to open a Jason. If you do, I expect you to tweet a picture of it at us, <laughs> especially if it's foil. Yeah. His minus three is essentially the Snapcaster ability where you can choose a target instant or sorcery and give it flashback. Yeah, and the thing about Kid Jace is you could potentially do that a couple times because you can plus him, get back to it, do it again. Yeah, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. All right. All right, and now moving on to the end step where we talk about something cool outside of the world of magic. Something very exciting. I uh, got to be on BBC America with my good friend Hannah Hart. She's hosting this new show called The Doctor's Finest, uh, where they're sort of just building up to the new season of Doctor Who by showing some of the, the greatest episodes of all time. And I got to talk about the episode Blink, which is, have you ever seen Blink? No. It's If you watch one episode of Doctor Who, you should just watch this one. It That's plays, the best one? Yeah. As far as standalone and just a really easy, soft intro to the series, yeah, because it's the Doctor isn't even a huge part of it. It's it's kind of like a mystery esque like novella. It's like this awesome forty to fifty minute piece, and it stands alone in the universe. You don't need to see any other Doctor Who to really understand hmm. it, and it's really great. Carrie Mulligan is in it. Uh, okay. she's a pretty yeah. well known actress now. This is one of her first or earlier projects. Um, but yeah, so I'm talking with Hannah about it on BBC America. You can actually just find everything on their YouTube page. But if you guys haven't seen this episode, it's on Netflix. It's on pretty much every video sharing site. But I want to watch it with your commentary. So that yeah. it, where do I have to go to find that? That's going to be on BBC America's YouTube channel. So I'll, I'll put the link in the uh, show notes below. Pretty cool. Yep, yep, yep. Very exciting. All right. That's my end step. Pretty simple. All right. right. Uh, make sure to listen to our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern, with Alex Kessler and Ben Bateman. They talk about modern and all things competitive magic. They have a lot of sweet guests they on. They had a lot of. Paul Witzel yeah. was just on the show. They made a lot of contacts at GP Vegas, and they've been just bringing them on one after another. Their show is just getting better and better. You can find them uh, on rocketjump.com right next to us under the podcast tab, or you can go to Twitter and find them at the MMCast. Our editor for the show is Eli Cuevas, and special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer at Living Cards MTG for providing these sweet animated uh, intros and segment switches during our YouTube videos. You can find all of our YouTube videos. They have card images and are essentially the same episode, but it's a great way to watch along so you don't have to look stuff up or listen to us fail to describe cards correctly. Uh, you can find that at youtube.com slash the command zone podcast. Definitely check us out on YouTube. I think we're up above 5,000 subscribers Woo-hoo! now. So. Thank you to everyone that subscribed. It's been awesome. Hopefully we're talking to a lot of new fans from Wedge and The Professor and Brainstorm Brewery and MTA Cast. And all Maybe those. we'll give away some surprise prizes to a random uh, YouTube Ooh. subscriber here That's got to be the next one. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. 
bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.